time for the rundown with Rob Sanders. Well, we're waiting. Welcome into the rundown. It is the Monday edition right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400 and around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Thanks for checking out the show today. By the way, if you listen to the show on Friday, uh, yeah, the final, the, the NFL playoff games from over the weekend, Rob picked them correctly. Yep. If you were in Las Vegas and you, you know, could place a bet or what have you, yeah, you would have been a perfect four for four if you would have uh, listened to me. If you'd have got under the under the learning tree and listened to me, I was a four and zero over the weekend. So good stuff there. But. Yeah, I was kind of shocked by that because I came in and looked at my my stuff. I'm like, oh, wow, I said that on the air. Awesome. Check it out. It's on the podcast. FoxSportsRadio1400.com. 4-0 on the weekend. I will give you my lockdown picks on, we'll do them on Friday. It was kind of a crazy weekend, though, in the NFL. Lots of things happened. A former Gamecock does not play well, but... When you go back and look at it, I mean, the guy missed one catch. Probably has the best hands in football. Doesn't work out so well for him yesterday. We'll get into that in a little bit. Also, Alabama's got a lot of things changing for them. Will that loss to Clemson finally knock the tide off their perch? I know that we're so used to saying, oh, Alabama's just going to be great regardless. And they're just, they just completely reload, and they're just awesome. But when I go over the list of what Alabama's losing this season, not just on the players' front, but on the coaching front, it's going to make you stop and think for a minute. Is this it for the Tide? We'll talk about that later on. Kyler Murray, is he going to go play football, or is he going to go play baseball? Which one would you rather do? I mean, there are some people that think that he is a top-flight NFL quarterback. I'm really not on that boat because he's like five foot eight inches tall. But, you know, then again, that's just me. We'll get into that as well as, let's see here, what else have we got? Oh, I've got some college football stuff for you here. The four best opening games of the SEC in week one. Also, I found something where it was kind of interesting. I went back and made my own list on this. The most anticipated games for 2019. Now, of course, these are like non-conference games. So it would have to be games that are out out of conference, obviously. But I'll give you some of these. Some of these are really interesting. So we'll get into that more in just a moment. But a couple of things that are happening today. First of all, The Clemson football team is going to head to the White House. They're scheduled to meet with the president this afternoon at about 6.30. The president, he came out today and said uh, what he was going to be serving the Tigers. It kind of uh, of caught the media's eye. Here's the president. Uh, I believe, I don't know if the weather changes things, but the Clemson championship team, the national championship team, will be coming tonight. It'll be exciting. Uh, a very great team, an unbelievable team. They'll be coming tonight 
And I think we're going to serve McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King's with some pizza. I really mean it. It'll be interesting. And I would think that's their favorite food. So we'll see what happens. But they're coming tonight, the national champions, subject to the weather. So you win the national title. And you're thinking, wow, I get to go to the White House. Then when you go to the White House, you basically get the food that you would have at Clemson on, you know, on the weekend or, or whatever. So pretty interesting. And either way, you're invited by the president. You got to go. But still, some interesting stuff there. Uh, I'm sure Lawton Swan of Clemson Sports Talk, the czar of Clemson Sports, will have a full coverage of the Tigers at the White House. It's just interesting, though. Go up there and get you a McDonald's hamburger from uh, the President of the United States. That's pretty cool. Number, and you know what? A lot of people are mocking that, but think about that. If the President is is down so down-to-earth enough that you can go up and have a hamburger with him from McDonald's, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I don't know if I'd want to go and have a hamburger at the White House. I guess I would just expect more. I mean, it is the White House. I guess I want, like, you know, some filleted duck or whatever. I don't know. When you think the White House, you think elegant. Yeah, not so much with President Trump on this front. Not knocking the president. But still, I don't think that Clemson just thought, hey, we go up there, we're going to get we're gonna get us some, some Big Macs and some Whoppers. <laughs> Good stuff there this afternoon. All right, so... We'll talk about the NFL playoffs in just a moment, but the South Carolina basketball team, they're 3-0 and in conference play, man. you got to respect what Coach Frank Martin has done with those guys down there. Going into the holiday break, they were like, I think they were like 5-6 and six or something like that. Since then, they've been on fire. They're above 500 now, 3-0 and in conference play. Coach Martin met with the media today, and he talked about, what his team is doing better now than they were at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think we're starting to defend better. Uh, We're starting to play a little stronger. Um, I think you're starting to see us shoot free throws, which we didn't do earlier in the year. Uh, And it's not just a Chris Silva thing. That's a big part of it, but it's all the guys thing. Um, uh, We're we're playing fast, which is something that I envision this team doing. Uh, because of the athleticism of AJ and Keyshawn and, and Hassani, I envisioned us playing fast. Um, um, you know, w- we were starting to rebound the ball better. Uh, we we didn't do that well yesterday. We we didn't fight on the glass yesterday. We fought defensively. We we fought on offense, but we didn't fight on the glass. And and you know that's why we're to a certain extent fortunate we won yesterday because that. That's a big thing for me. Uh, and that doesn't satisfy me. It's just what I believe in that leads to winning. Um, um, yeah, but we got to get back to that. Uh, but, you know, we're starting to, to play with, with a little more poise and discipline. Um, we're not letting uh, – most of the times the one thing I've always been – and when I say most is because you can't say all the time, but – the one thing I've always been proud of my teams is that we don't let other teams go on 12-0 runs, 14-2 runs. You know, the game, basketball's a game of runs because it's nonstop. You know, but we usually, uh, you know, someone goes on an 8-2 run and we'll counter with a 6-3 run. And it just kind of stays in the balance. And then we're, we're just persistent, 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 and eventually we overcome. Uh, we're starting to do that. Where before, whether it was Wofford or... 
or, or Wyoming, and, you know, when we're on the road, um, Michigan, Virginia, Clemson, you know, you're in a five-point game, and all of a sudden you're in a 15-point game because of that run. And when you, pay, when you play those opponents, you can't give up those big runs and survive. And uh, we almost messed ourselves up at Florida, but we were able to counter with a real good run ourselves. And I, I think that had something to do with their youth at guard. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I mean, it's, we, we were both kind of in the same boat from an experience standpoint. But, uh, but those are the things that I think we're starting to do better. Coach Frank Martin talking about what his team is doing better now than they were before they got on this three-game SEC winning streak. Now, if you just look at it from the outside, yeah, they've beaten three teams that have a combined one SEC win. But still, you won three games in conference in a row, especially after the way they played in December. They look kind of flat against Clemson, and they are moving the ball better and doing a lot of – they're playing better defense. So, Coach Frank Martin, man, he he gets the job done down there as far as his teams play better as the season goes on. Also, Coach Martin today talked a little bit about their next matchup with Vanderbilt. He expects a tough road for the Gamecocks to hoe. I know you guys don't want to hear this because I guess Van, I, what, they're 0-2 in league play or something like that. So everyone wants to write like Vanderbilt's not very good. Arizona State has beaten Kansas two years in a row. Okay? Two years in a row. They went in there. Vandy beat them 20, 17 to be exact. You know, but, you know, that's uh, it's the old SEC mentality that, you know, because you don't win a game in league play, you're not very good. At least it's the rhetoric that we create within our own league. Um, they're, they're, they're young, but they're really good. They're fast. They're athletic. Uh, at home, they shoot it. Um, you know, it's they're pretty good. I, I, I like their team. I, I, know I, I know when I tell you I sat and stared at the ceiling last night, it's not because we didn't run a back pick the right way yesterday. It's because I started watching Vanderbilt yesterday, and I was like, jeez. Coach Frank Martin talking a little bit about Vanderbilt, the next matchup for the Gamecocks. They are 3-0 and in conference play. And you know what? I think that if they go something like 11-7, and they're going to have to be at least three or four games above 500 in conference play, in my opinion to make a shot at the NCAA tournament. There are a couple of losses at the beginning of the season that really hurt their RPI. Uh, The Providence loss doesn't look that great. Also, you've got the loss to Stony Brook at home. That's the kind of thing that can keep you out of the tournament. So the Gamecocks have got to make it up in conference play. The best way to do that is by beating Vanderbilt. Now, Clemson, on the other hand, they right now are like 10 and 5, 10 and 6, I think is their current record. Yeah, 10 and 6, 0 and 3 in ACC play. Now you can make the argument that, man, the sky is falling on the Tigers. But then you look at their schedule that started out ACC play. They lost 87 to 68 to Duke, which right now, according to ESPN's bracketology, is a one seed. Syracuse is listed as a four seed. They lost to them on the road, 61-53. to Virginia right now is also listed as a one seed. They lost to them by 20. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you should go through and, and think of all these losses as, 
yeah, the Tigers can just brush off those three losses. But they lost three games to three really good teams. And I think the big thing Coach Brad Burnell's got to do now is just get his guys to get up off the mat. They welcome in Georgia Tech, a team they match up pretty well with. That game is on Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. The Yellow Jackets uh, will come into Little John. Then they go on the road to Florida State and NC State. The trick here is for Clemson's season to pivot, they need a win over Georgia Tech and they need to split with Florida State and NC State. After that, the schedule lightens up. Pitt and Wake at home, those two teams are pretty much near the bottom of the conference or they're projected to be. Georgia Tech on the road. Virginia Tech, okay. At Miami, at Louisville, then Florida State comes to town. Boston College, not supposed to be really that great. But then at the end of the season, it gets a little tougher. Your last three, North Carolina at home, at Notre Dame, and then Syracuse at home. So that's a tough three-game stretch there. The Tigers, they're going to have to get, I think, at least at least to 8-8 eight eight in conference play if they're going to make the tournament. 8-8 eight eight in the ACC, win a game in the ACC tournament, they should be right there on the, on the bubble to make the NCAA tournament. The best thing to do is go 10-6. Not, not that that's the easiest thing in the world because you have, what, 13 games left, you got to go 10-3. and three. That's going to be tough for anybody. But for Clemson, the season's not over yet. Now you drop that game to Georgia Tech, uh, you start 0-4 in conference play, you're going to have to come off the mat. So Wednesday night's matchup with Georgia Tech at home. I think the um, Little John will be hopping up there. It will be kind of an electric environment. The students will be back. So it should be a little bit easier uh, to get out and actually get a good performance out of Clemson. The big thing with them, obviously, is keeping Elijah Thomas out of foul trouble and just three-point shooting. They correct those couple of things. Also, not in addition to three-point shooting, defending the three-point shot, because they haven't done that very well this season. They, they do those three things, they'll win some ball games. South Carolina, on the other hand, the trick for them is the same thing they've been doing. Mike Coates are playing well. Also, you've got uh, Chris Silva. Those two big men playing well. Lawson doing his job. Gravit going out there and having a couple of games here and there. The Gamecocks are peaking at the right time. And if you look at their schedule, they've got some teams on there they, they should should be favored to beat. I mean, they're, I think they're better than Vanderbilt. I really do. There's a couple of teams that are wild cards on there, including Auburn, Ole Miss. Not sure what you're going to get with Texas A&M yet, but the Gamecocks do have a easier road, especially starting out 3-0 and in conference play. Otis checks in on Facebook Live, says, Down goes the Cowboys. Yeah. You know what? We're going to take a minute here and talk about that. The Dallas Cowboys, I've talked about them all season. Here's my thing with them. If you're a Dallas Cowboy fan and 
if you go to like Pro Football Focus, they're they're considered uh, they have the best offensive line in football, barring you know one or two other teams up there with them. But they got one of the best lines in football. They've got three or four defenders that are pretty good. They've also got an all-world running back in Ezekiel Elliott. And that game that they played the other night, they should have won that game. I think they were better than the Rams. But they end up shooting themselves in the foot. And I think it's come time now for Jerry Jones to stop with the Botox, because Lord knows there's no way that man can close his eyes between the Botox and the facelifts. Not to mock the guy, but... Not that I'm like this this big shining bright of beauty here or whatever, but this guy has got to do something with Jason Garrett. If you keep having the same guy there and you keep getting the same results, then it's going to come back that it's on you. But I tell you what, the funny thing is Dallas fans were running their mouth a lot, especially on my Twitter and Facebook feed. Ever since then, silence. Absolute silence. If you want to respond to my rant there on the Cowboys, 803-978-1832. 803-978-1832. Otis says I'm crazy. The Rams are the Super Bowl champions. Yeah, they got to play the Saints, brother. Not feeling it, man. Jared Goff is still soft, in my opinion. Sorry. 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832 is the number to call. We're talking uh, NFL stuff today. We come back, we'll talk a little bit more NFL with Alshon Jeffrey. He's taken the blame for the loss against uh, New Orleans yesterday. Very manly thing he's doing. So we'll talk about that. Also, I've got the most anticipated games for the upcoming season that are non-conference games in basketball and football. Is Alabama done? Yeah, we'll talk about that and a lot more. You are listening to The Rundown. This is Fox Sports Radio 1400. Of course, we appreciate you listening here and around the world on the iHeartRadio app. More of The Rundown in just a moment. To the rundown, I am Rob Sanders. Thanks for joining me this afternoon on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Download the podcast. It'll be available for you this afternoon in case you missed something. This segment, I've got a ton of different stuff. First of all, I'm glad to say that if you come to my house, I may serve you the same things that uh, Donald Trump will serve the Clemson football team when they come to the White House. The president announcing today that they're going to have Burger King, McDonald's, and some pizza. So good stuff there for the Clemson football team as they head to the White House. Um, This segment, I want to get into Alabama and the big changes that are coming for the Crimson Tide. You know, they have carried the SEC banner, it seems like, forever. I mean, they have been just the cream of the crop in the SEC. It's pretty much, they are 
and they've been carrying the crop for the entire country, basically. I mean, Alabama is, as Coach Dabo Sweeney would say, the standard. Now, Clemson's won two out of the last three national championships. They are maneuvering their way to make themselves the standard. But you got to be honest, what Nick Saban has done has been amazing with that Alabama football program. But you know what? Could this be the year that things change? And what I mean by that is that they always have players that end up going into the NFL draft. This year, they're going to lose Quinnen Williams, Jonah Williams, Josh Jacobs. They announced that they're heading out along with Herb Smith. Deontay Thompson, the safety, he's uh, declared for the draft late. Linebacker Mac Wilson, he's also heading out. Jalen Hurts, your backup quarterback, who, let's be honest, is probably good enough to start at just about any Division I football program in the country other than Alabama or Clemson. He's obviously heading out. But then you've got a ton of coaches leaving. Mike Loxley, he left to become the head coach at Maryland. Brent Kelly left to be the offensive line coach at Georgia Tech. Here's why I think it's interesting. Because why would you take a lateral move and go to Georgia Tech and play for and and work with a new coaching staff there? Are people just not happy with Nick Saban? I don't know. I mean, are they happy with winning? Because if you're winning, that's what you're doing there. I mean, that's just common sense. 55-4 and in the past four years, that's a heck of a lot of winning. But they've got Brent Key taking a lateral move going to Georgia Tech. Co-offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis going to become the offensive coordinator at Michigan. And then Dan Enos, the current quarterback's coach, is off to Miami to become the offensive coordinator for Manny Diaz. So this... Alabama team is losing a ton of stuff. Now, if you're an Alabama fan, as they say, roll tide, I get it. You're going to have a lot of guys coming back, including Tua Tonga Viola. Jerry Judy has wide out. Also, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell. All those guys are coming back. I get that. But you want to know one of the things that makes Clemson so special and what they have? The Tigers don't have any turnover in their their coaching staff. All the coaches stay. Now, Nick Saban can make the argument, stay or go, we're going to win anyway, which is what they've done. But is this the year that things change? Because you're losing all these guys, losing the lion heart of that defense. Is Alabama going to be as over-the-top as they normally are. If you want to join the show, am I throwing too much dirt on the Alabama program? 803-978-1832. 803-978-1832. I'm just saying, there's a lot of holes there for Alabama. And you got to wonder, are they going to be able to overcome not only the loss of the players, but with losing the majority of your offensive staff, what offense you've got coming back, it's going to be completely different. Different verbiage, different signals, all of that stuff. 
And I just wonder if this is the year that Alabama falls back just a little bit and maybe they're not in the hunt for the SEC championship. 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832 is the number to call. If you want to join me on the program today, we'd love to have you right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Coming up later, got a little bit of baseball talk for you. Game times have been announced for Clemson and South Carolina's baseball series. Yeah, looking forward to that. We'll give you the times on that. Also, I've got the four best opening weekend matchups to the SEC And then college football's most anticipated non-conference games for next season. There are some games that are just a doozy on on the schedule for next year. They're going to be absolute must-watch games. We'll also talk a little bit about Kyler Murray. Should he go to the NFL draft or should he go to play baseball? Obviously, it comes down to him and his decision, but... If you were Kyler Murray, which one would you rather do? I think he'll make more money in the NFL draft if they can project him to be a first-round pick. You know, Cliff Kingsbury already said at at, uh, last year that he would pick him as his number one pick. But does he want to play baseball? And, you know, I, I think that I remember back in the day when you had guys that did both. Bo Jackson, obviously everybody remembers that. Deion Sanders, I think Brian Jordan did it. It's just, it's tough to do both. And I don't know if anybody in the majors is going to let him sign a contract where he can go play football and get hurt and then they don't get their investment back. Interesting stuff there. He He's a legitimate two-sport athlete. I mean, he really is. I think he could end up playing in the majors. I think he could end up playing in uh, in the NFL. I think he's a little short for the NFL, 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, but, you know, it's gotten to the point now where there are a lot of guys that are shorter in the NFL. Maybe they can get out there and do something. I don't know. But... It's going to be interesting what he chooses to do. Or if he tells them, you know what, I'm going to play both. I'm going to try to play both. We'll see how that that shakes out. That's going to be some interesting stuff there. Lawton Swan of Clemson Sports Talk, the czar of Clemson Sports, will be here at 4 o'clock. He will take you home this afternoon as we get set up uh, to get you through the week. It's almost the point now where it's just cold. Like last night, it was just cold and rainy, and I was just happy that it was. Uh, I was in my house with my nice warm fire because it was just cold. I don't deal well with cold weather, man. <laughs> I really am a puss when it comes to that kind of thing. All right, more of the rundown in just a moment. You are listening to Fox Sports Radio 1400. Of course, around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Podcast will be up this afternoon. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rob Sounds Good. More of the rundown in just a moment. And more of the rundown. I am Rob Sanders. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Appreciate you checking out the rundown right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. 
You know, I forgot this story, and I had it tagged in my notes last night, and now I've got it right in front of me. I should have led the program with this now that I think about it. Coach Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers had their victory parade on Saturday. And Coach Sweeney had some interesting comments. He said, quote, the 28 team is the best ever. Drop the mic, the best ever, and they have set the standard for all future teams. Those are some pretty big words from Coach Dabo Sweeney. Do you think that team is the best ever? They're kind of fresh in our head, so we kind of sit back and think, all right, you know, could that absolutely be the best team ever? I mean, there were points in the season where if you look at Clemson against Texas A&M, you're thinking, ah, maybe not. Maybe, you know, you can make an argument that the ball bounces the other way. And... They could have lost that game. You really could. My buddy JR from our sister station, 1047 WNOK, has stepped into the arena. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for uh, having me in. Uh, The question that I'm asking the listeners here on the rundown is, do you think this Clemson football team is the best ever, as Coach Dabo Sweeney said? Oh, I I think it had to be one of the best. Because everybody was always about, oh, Alabama this, Alabama that. Uh, the way that they rolled Alabama, the way that they, you know, Alabama rolled everyone else, it seemed like. Yeah. The Tigers outscored opponents 116-29 to in three postseason games. They went 15-0. and They slapped Alabama around 44-16. to You can make that argument. They were the best team in the, that made the playoffs. You can definitely make, I mean, as far as, played championship football meaning they went to their conference title and all that remember when people argument yeah remember when people thought that georgia was the third best team yeah those people are silly aren't they i mean really silly really silly Mm -hmm. uh since you're here you're my my bit of a baseball nerd here manny machado got an eight-year offer yes and the the chicago white Sox. and usually you don't see that type of stuff on major league baseball actual website yeah uh but that's that that's saying something i think they're just going down for a showdown in 2022 so you think you should with, take, with the league owners yeah players strike or lockout do, or do you think you should take the go. eight-year deal uh oh totally I mean, the the White Sox are a disaster. Do you want I mean, to go there and lose? I mean, sometimes you feel like playing. Sometimes you feel like hustling. You know, that's a pretty good deal for someone who well, doesn't hustle you're, a lot. You're, you're, a, you're a Cardinals fan. Would you want Manny Machado on no. your team? No, absolutely and see, not. I'm in the same boat. I wouldn't want him on my Atlanta Braves. No. Because he's going to play second or third, and my Braves already have somebody, a younger player, at second or third. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I, I think he's a cancer. Yeah. Okay. Well. And by the way, we we already have a second baseman, Colton Wong. Well, I don't know about him. But if you could, if oh, you could really? have if great you could defense have, from oh, Colton Wong. If you could have Bryce Harper, would you take Bryce Harper? Oh, absolutely. I would not take Bryce Harper because first not, of all, I don't like his beard. Not for ten years. I, I don't like his beard, and I'm not giving him a ten year contract. And mm-hmm. he is a cancer. Look what he did to the Washington Nationals. I mean, he he's fighting with his closer in the dugout. You don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're just blowing that off because you need an outfielder for St. Louis. Well, hey, I mean, I, I think Dexter Fowler will have a great year. Yeah. Or or average for him, but it'd be nice to have that insurance. Well, I I don't know. I I think the Braves need a little bit more pitching. I do like uh, some of the moves they made this off season. Makes a lot of sense. 
I think they're going to end up just re-signing Nick Markakis to a one-year contract. Nick Markakis is like 806 years old, but he should be able to go out there and swing the bat a little bit for them. Worried about the defensive end, but, um, you know, it's what you got. When you're a small market team like Atlanta, you're just hoping that he has like a... Yeah, okay, they're a yeah, small market so. team. You think they're they're not they're not like the Yankees and the Red Sox? No, but they're I would say that they're they're one of the small. They're not the Florida Marlins. They, well, the Marlins should be contracted. Yeah, they they really should. You don't agree on that? No, I would say that the uh, Braves are a good medium market team. Well, would you say the Marlins need to be contracted? Uh, probably moved. You just you just like throwing stuff at me. I think the Marlins and the Rays should be contracted. I think uh, the Rays will either go to. You ever been to a game at the Rays Charlotte? Stadium? Oh yeah, it's a it's, it's a dump. it's like a shopping mall. That's mm-hmm. what it looks like. It really is. It's like oh, I could go and and buy a nice hat, and then oh, there's a baseball game. Yay! Yeah, look at good. me! Yay! Terrible. And, and it has no uh, atmosphere. No, it doesn't have any atmosphere. Yeah. Just kind of like, uh, just kind of flat. Except for when uh, the Boston Red Sox or the Yankees are in town. That's when you get the atmosphere. Well, it's because you got all those snowbirds yeah. that retire, that were in Boston and New York, and they retire down to St. Petersburg, and or the they, they go and watch smart, games down there. Or the smart Gen Xers, millennials, who just said, I'm, screw this. I don't know about all that. Not, not feeling that at all. What? I'm not feeling that at all. I think it's just a bunch of old fogies that go to those right. games. Okay, sure. You and I would fit in well down there. We could go and thank you. We could get us some uh, some. We can go to the like Panama Jack and get us some some khakis. Oh yeah, there we go. Couple of couple of nice blue shirts and just fit in well. And then go to Ebor City and uh, party like um, you know party like it's 1999. Exactly. Because that's that's the last time you and I actually went out to party. Oh, I wouldn't say that, buddy. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. But yeah, 19, I mean, Ebor City's nice. I'll give you that. No, it, it's okay. So the reason why I came down here, I sure. was going to write, write this on, but Mr. Heisman Trophy is going to the draft. It's official. Oh, he's going to the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just talking about that earlier. And I think he's too short. He's five nine. They list him at five nine, but he's probably closer to five eight. I don't. I don't think that's a good move. Yeah, why, why can't he play both? No. What do you mean no? No. If if you're a quarterback of a uh, of a NFL team, you pretty much have to go all in. You can't do anything else. I, I'm in the boat. I want to see a guy do both. I remember Deion Sanders when I was a kid playing for the Braves and the and Falcons. Brian Jordan there for a bit. Brian Jordan. Of course, mm-hmm. Bo Jackson did it better than anybody Bo else. Bo Jackson was just freaking incredible. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying he should probably do both. But I did not know that that story that he went, uh, he's going to go straight to the uh, to the draft. Now the question is, is where is he going to be drafted? Cliff Kingsbury, new coach of the uh, Arizona Cardinals, said last year when he was at Texas Tech that he would pick him number one. I have never in my life would think that a quarterback that is five foot eight inches tall was going to be picked number one. Could you imagine the uh, athletics and and what they're feeling? Yeah, they lost the top ten pick. Yeah, but you know what? I blame them for that because they knew that he wanted to play football anyway. I mean, you don't waste a top ten pick on a guy who isn't completely committed to your organization anyway, or or even to the sport. Sucks to be you, Billy Bean. Get it right. Yeah, well, hey, you know that genius has never won a World Series. Yeah, but all of his all of his metrics and stuff are what uh, what is one World Series? Right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So his numbers and his ideas of one World Series, he just hasn't had enough money to get uh, to get all the players that he wants. If he could just have the money that he wants, I think he would have a World Series. But then again, you never know. I think Billy Bean is a great baseball mind. Of course, 
He is uh, the man with the story behind Moneyball, which is a really good baseball movie. But I can't believe that he's going to go to the NFL draft, five foot eight inches tall. Have fun. Yeah, you're going to get you. I don't care how quick you are, and he can stop and throw on a dime. But he's five eight, and I'm tired of guys telling me. You know what? The shorter quarterbacks can do it. I mean, they always bring up the same two guys, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. Look, let's make sure we understand something here. Russell Wilson was an amazing athlete in his own right, and I'm not saying Kyler Murray isn't, but you're telling me you're as special as Drew Brees and Russell Wilson? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, and, and I would love to see the, the Cardinals because they are the former St. Louis Cardinals. There's something about my childhood that goes, oh, um, I, I would like to see them do well, but I, I don't see them doing well with, with Kyler. Yeah. All right. Well, Jr. thanks for stepping into the studio. Well, well today, thank man. you for uh, having me. I, ju- I just couldn't find a pen just to be able to say, hey. Hey, yeah, use this. This is what you're talking about. Well, I appreciate you checking in on me today, man. Thanks so much. You can hear JR today on our sister station, 104.7 WNOK. He'll talk to you about everything from, I don't know, what the Kardashians are doing to he's got all kind of stuff over there. So when we come back, I will get into my most anticipated games for 2019. Also, the four best games of the opening week for the SEC. All that and more in just a moment. You are listening to The Rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400. back to the rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400, around the world on the iHeartRadio app. I say that because you can listen anywhere. I mean, wherever you're at. You can pick us up. You can download the podcast there. It's so simple. So simple. All right. Now, thanks to JR from 104.7 WNOK for dropping in this afternoon. We appreciate that. Also, I've got my most anticipated games of 2019. We'll get into that, but first, here are the four best games in the SEC in Week 1. Alabama and Duke at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. That's kind of cool. You know, I don't think Alabama will be challenged by Duke, but still kind of neat. South Carolina and North Carolina, this is the big return for... Mac Brown, and, you know, I don't know exactly how good the Gamecocks are going to be next season. I think uh, some people may pick them to finish, like, fifth in the East, or they may be picked to finish third or second in the East. I don't know. We'll definitely see. It'll be a good matchup there to start with North Carolina. Uh, Number two is Florida and Miami. They open up at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. You know, Miami is going to be looking to try to right themselves a little bit after they get over Mark Richt. But they're going to run into a Florida team that it's the second year under their new head coach. And we will see how well they do with Dan Mullen down there at Florida. First matchup there. Recruiting means a lot in this matchup here. So good stuff there. 
Auburn and Oregon. That's probably the biggest matchup of week one. It's at AT&T Stadium in Texas. You know, Justin Herbert's coming back. Gus Malzahn is always seems to be on the hot seat. But I think both of these teams will be in the preseason top 25. Seems to be on the hot seat. But I think both of these teams will be in the preseason top 25. And it should be just a really, really interesting matchup between those two teams as they will get started their first game of the season on the road in Arlington at a neutral site, not really a road game. But good matchups there in the SEC for Week 1. Now I have other games that I'm looking forward to that are down the line a little bit. Some of the big matchups for next season. Notre Dame and Georgia on September the 21st. Yeah, that's going to be a really interesting early season matchup. And it could be a knockout blow for one team's chances in the CFP. LSU at Texas, that'll be September the 7th. That's going to be really cool there. Notre Dame and Michigan, October the 26th. Um, That was Notre Dame's best win last year, in my opinion, was that Michigan matchup. Michigan, I think, is just trying to... I think they want to run away with the Big Ten this year, the first year without Urban Meyer at Ohio State for a while. They want to see if they can take over the Big Ten, but they've got Notre Dame on the schedule as well. Should be an interesting matchup there. Texas A&M at Clemson in Week 2 of the season. The Tigers open up in conference play at home with Georgia Tech, and then they've got uh, Clemson. I mean, Clemson welcomes in Texas A&M. You know, Texas A&M was the one team that really came close to upending Clemson this season. Should be an interesting matchup in Death Valley early in the season. Auburn and Oregon, we talked about. Miami and Florida, we talked about. Florida State and Boise State, that's down in Jacksonville on August the 31st. I tell you what, Willie Taggart, if he wants to keep his job, he's going to do the best he can to try to win that game. Also, you've got Stanford and UCF. That game is September the 14th. August 31st, you've also got Houston and Oklahoma. That'll be an interesting matchup there. Dana Holgerson going from West Virginia to Houston. Will he uh, be able to get the ball rolling there quick? And who's going to be the quarterback with Kyler Murray if uh, he, he says he's going to the NFL draft? So, yeah, they're going to have some changes at Oklahoma. Also, you've got Nebraska at Colorado on September the 7th. Should be an interesting matchup there. Other interesting matchups on the season. Arizona State at Michigan State. Oklahoma at UCLA on September the 14th. And then Pitt at Penn State. The last scheduled meeting between those two rivals. So, you know, Pitt's going to want to play hard. They got hammered by Penn State early last season, but then rallied on to win the Atlantic Coast or the uh, ACC Coastal Division and got a spot in the ACC Championship game. So I think those games are going to be the most interesting as far as college football for next season. 
it's going to be uh, – I always look forward to the season. I love looking at schedules and stuff like that because I'm a bit of a uh, stat nerd. All right, final story of the day, the NFL playoffs from over the weekend. Uh, if you listened around, I picked the game – I picked the picks correctly. Yeah, across the board. And then I second-guessed myself at home over the weekend. But, all right, the, you know, the big thing was the catch, the slash no catch. This play yesterday – Broke everybody's heart in Philadelphia. Two-by-two two formation. Snap gets off before the two-minute warning. Folds in the pocket, throws. And the ball's intercepted. Go the hands of Jones. Marshawn Lattimore. Yes. Marshawn Lattimore with his second interception of the game. Returns it to the 34. And better than any time this season, Saints, go take a photograph. Now, Philly fans were all blaming Alshon Jeffrey because the ball did hit him in his hands. Normally, he catches that ball. I mean, let's be honest. But here's a thought there, Philly fans. Why are you so upset with him when your team had a 14 to nothing lead? Be upset with your defense. Be upset with your coaches for not picking up that uh, New Orleans might run a fake punt. Be upset that your special teams didn't get the job done. Don't hang the entire loss on Alshon Jeffrey. And by the way, the internet's undefeated. As soon as this happened, the first thing that I noticed was his Wikipedia page had already been updated, and they were calling him Alshon Butterfingers Jeffrey. Someone had already updated his Wikipedia page with that. Look, you can say a lot about Alshon Jeffrey, but he's got great hands. If it wasn't for him last year, the, the Eagles would not have won the Super Bowl. But big ups to him because he came out and said, hey, it's my fault. And that's what you're supposed to do when you're a professional anyway. But let me help you out, Alshon, a little bit. It's A lot of it has to do with your defense. Because after the first quarter, they had that um, Notre, excuse me, New Orleans ran up and down the field. They did a lot of things, pretty much whatever they wanted to do. So you can't really blame it on Alshon Jeffrey. Should be some interesting matchups. By the way, check out my blog page. There was a homeless man that helped out uh, Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs player Josh Allen. Allen's car was like buried in snow, and he pulled him out of it. And Allen did something really nice for this homeless man. Check it out. It's on my blog page at foxsportsradio1400.com. It's so cool when you see guys do something good for people. And then it comes back around and it ends up working out better for them. Just cool stuff there. All right. Lawton Swan of Clemson Sports Talk. The czar of Clemson Sports is next. I'm sure he'll be here with Lowell. Lowell, the, uh, the former intern, will be here with him in studio today as uh, they get squared away. They're going to bring you all kinds of good Clemson information. Before we get out of here, last little note here. Game times were announced for Clemson and South Carolina baseball. March 2nd, uh, let's see here. The game on Saturday at Fleur Field is set for 1 o'clock. That was announced at, yeah, it's a 1 o'clock game on the 1st. March 1st, excuse me, March 1st is at 6 o'clock. Series finale in Columbia is at 1 o'clock. And then they play the the game at Fleur Field at uh, 1 o'clock. So there you go. So 
should be interesting stuff there on the baseball front. More Clemson sports talk in just a little bit. This has been The Rundown. I'm Rob Sanders. Thanks for listening this afternoon. Have a good day.